Hare Krishna. Sanchakalpa trubhyas chakra pasindubhyeva chapatitanam bhavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha. We're continuing. I'm welcoming you back. Our discussion of Srimad Bhagavatam. And we're beginning again with the first canto, first chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam. And uh, the first three verses of the Bhagavatam are a kind of prelude verses before it actually the narration begins. And so today we're on text number three of, of, uh, of these verses, which uh, I'll recite for that one. But first we'll say, Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Um, so the well, yeah. The text three goes like this: Nigama kalpataror, galetam palam, sukamukad amrita drovya samyutam, pibata bhagavatam, rasmalayam, muhur ahurasika bhuvi bhavukaha. Uh, the translation from Prabhupada uh, goes like this. O expert and thoughtful men, relish Srimad Bhagavatam, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. It emanated from the lips of Sri Sugadev Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful, although its nectarian juice was already relishable for all, including liberated souls. Uh, uh, Banu Swami has a somewhat different uh, translation following the commentary of Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. This goes like this, O knowers of rasa, O fortunate souls, constantly drink from the mouth of Shukadeva, the Bhagavatam, the fruit of the tree of the Vedas, which has dropped from the tree to this earth, which is immortal, liquid, which is the essence of sweetness, and which includes all type of liberation. And then we'll go through both purports here. But if we just look at the text now, uh, Nigama is another name for Vedic literature. Kalpataror, uh, uh, a desire tree. Remember, a, a desire tree is one that gives you any fruit you want. And so the Vedic literatures are compared to such a tree. It grows in the heavenly planets where you can get anything you want from a tree of of, of fruit, literally. I mean, it's a tree. Uh, 
Uh, <coughs> and so the Kalpaturo or Kalpavriksha is also another way of saying desire tree. Uh, so the Vedic literature, uh, the Nigama, uh, is uh, a Kalpaturor because it provides for everything. I mean, Veda means knowledge, and so it's the complete from everything from, you know, how to set a table, to <laughs> how to eat, how to... <laughs> Uh, all kinds of everything is is prescribed in there for the different varnas and so on. So nigama kalpataror, the Vedas are like this tree which gives you whatever galitam param. The, the now, but there's the galitam, the the fully mature or ripe fruit uh, of Vedic knowledge. Now the word uh, galita in Sanskrit means uh, to drop or to ooze or to trickle down to follow. So it means there's a fruit that's like really ripe. It's ready, it's full of juice and it's oozing or dripping or dropping. You know, this is the this fully matured fruit. Sometimes it's even one that's already fallen on the ground, you know, because it's so so ripe. So this is this is this uh, galitam, fully matured fruit. Uh, so the, the, you can get anything you want, like Alice's Restaurant and the Vedas. Uh, so here you can get this, the Vedas, you can get this from the, the desire tree, the Vedas, this galitam phalam. Uh, and then uh, it, it uh, uh, from the lips of uh, Sukha, Sukadev Goswami, says here in the word for word, the original speaker of the Bhagavatam. So Shuka also means parrot. So they, they're saying that, that if there's a fruit on the tree that's really ripe and delicious, uh, the parrot pecks at it and breaks the fruit, it becomes even better. So this idea of Sukha being the guy who first uh, uh, presents this, you know, uh, is, he's a parrot. Uh, and it once repeats what he's heard too, hmm? parrot. Amrita trovya samyutam. Uh, it's nectar, which is drova, which Prabhupada says in the word for word, semi-solid and soft and therefore easily swallowable. Samyutam, <laughs> uh, perfect in all respects. Uh, so then it's enjoining us, pivot the, uh, relish it, Drink it up, you know, taste it. Pibhita Bhagavatam, this book which is in relationship to the Lord. Uh, uh, the Lord is Bhagavan, so the book is Bhagavata. And so Prabhupada has, it is the, 
the book dealing with the science of the eternally, eternal relationship with the Lord. Uh, so what should you drink? The rasam, the juice. And of course, we also know that it becomes a technical term uh, for the flavor or taste of a relationship, especially with Krishna, the rasas. By the word, it's a short A, it's rasa, not rasa. The dance is a rasa dance, but the juice is a rasa. Is rasa. And then it says, alayam, until liberation or even in a liberated condition. Uh, the word alaya in Sanskrit with a long A just means a house or a dwelling or receptacle. But the way Prabhupada breaks it up here, it's alaya. To, he, there's a hyphen there he puts there. Up to uh, uh, becoming absorbed in it. or, or in a, Laya is another word that can mean in the dictionary melting, dissolution, disappearance, absorption in. So it's a, it's, here it stands for liberation, uh, until liberated or uh, uh, up until or into this liberation. Otherwise, alaya is a, a place, the abode, you know. Himalaya is the place of the snows, uh, the abode of the snows. So this is uh, this is this word alayam up until liberation or even in the lib- liberated condition, uh, and then addressed aho rasika. Uh, uh, those who are in f- full in the knowledge of mellows, and Prabhupada had used this word for rasa mellow. Uh, using Bhakti Siddhanta's word, uh, which is a kind of in in uh, in uh, standard English, is kind of old-fashioned. But Hmm. I'm just looking it up in the uh, Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah, in, in in English, it's, it's generally mellow is a, is a, is an adjective referring to fruit that's soft, sweet, and juicy with ripeness, uh, or uh, characterized by ripeness, ripeness and, and tastiness, and so on. Or so that's that's the way. So. It's it's in English. It's it's it's, it's traditionally uh, uh, an adjective, but um, Bhakti Siddhanta uses it as a noun uh, to refer to a mellow. But uh, 
the dictionary for mellow in it as a noun is a melody, so in some kind of slang is what it finds. So, but Prabhupada uses this word mellows, you know, meaning rasas. Um, uh, so his translate, O expert and thoughtful men, relish Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, the mature fruit of the desired tree of Vedic literatures. It emanated from the lips of Śrī Shukadeva Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful although its nectarian juice was already relishable for all, including liberated souls. This alayam is for them too. It's not that you do it and then you're liberated and you forget about it. (laughs) Uh, Swami's translation following the purport of Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur um, he does it like this, O knowers of rasa, O fortunate souls, uh, constantly drink from the mouth of shuka. <laughs> so it's being passed down. But shuka's the narrator, so, you know, it's, it's drink from the mouth of shuka, the Bhagavatam, the fruit of the tree of the Vedas, which is dropped from the tree to this earth. So it's, again, it's a ripe fruit that falls down. It, it, he's got that sense that has come down. Yeah. Which has dropped from the, the, the tree to this earth, which, meaning not the earth, but the, but the fruit, which is immortal, liquid, which is the essence of sweetness and which includes all types of liberation. Assume that that alayam, so uh, immortal, Uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, all those things are there. Perfect in all samyutam, So here, um, Prabhupada's purport, he says, in the two previous shlokas, it has been definitely proved that the Srimad Bhagavatam is the sublime literature which which surpasses all other Vedic scriptures due to its transcendental qualities. It is transcendental to all mundane activities and mundane knowledge. Remember the Vedas is a compendium of all knowledge. I mean, any knowledge is Vedic knowledge. So it's not all about transcendence either. A lot of it is how to perform sacrifices, very detailed instructions on performing yajnas, you know, that's a lot of it. You had to memorize it all and memorize all the verses. So this is, this is, uh, and the, the, remember the sacrifice was usually often done, you know, to get a son or to get a job or to get whatever, you know. Uh, it is transcendental to all mundane activities and mundane knowledge. 
So when you say this, when you say scripture for the Vedas, people always think of it as just holy stuff. It's no, it's just knowledge. It's just just the compendium of knowledge. Uh, in this shloka, it is stated that Srimad Bhagavatam is not only a superior literature, but it is the ripened fruit of all Vedic literatures. In other words, it is the cream of all Vedic knowledge. If you see what, you know, you get milk and then you churn it and, you know, and finally the, the cream comes out. Uh, in, the, in the milk it's scattered, or it's, the cream is in there, but it's dispersed among other liquids, you know, but when you actually churn the milk, the cream comes out and then butter and all those things. Uh, considering all this, patient and submissive hearing is definitely essential. So Prabhupada is telling us how to, how to do, deal with this book now, patient and submissive. Uh, you don't argue with every sentence. <laughs> Or if you know if you don't understand it or don't agree with it, and that is fine to discuss it. But you should think of it. here it is. It's handed down to us. Now try to understand it, and let's see what all the things you don't understand are. We can discuss all those, and things that seem to disagree with what you think, what we think we know, <laughs> with great respect and attention. One should receive the message and lessons imparted by the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Vedas are compared to the desire tree because they contain all things knowable by man. See, it's like the encyclopedia of everything. They deal with mundane necessities as well as spiritual realization. There's, for example, Ayurveda, medical knowledge. That's also Veda. So, so many things are there for, for uh, uh, in, the, in the Vedas. The Vedas are compared to the desire tree because they contain all things knowable by man. They deal with mundane necessities as well as spiritual realization. The Vedas contain regulative principles of knowledge covering social, political, religious, economic, military, medicinal, chemical, physical, and metaphysical subject matter, and all that may be necessary to keep the body and soul together. So that's the Dhanurveda, military science, you know, they're all, the, all there. there. Um, above and beyond all this, are specific directions 
for spiritual realization. Regulated knowledge involves a gradual raising of the living entity to the spiritual platform and the highest spiritual realization is knowledge that the personality of Godhead is the reservoir of all spiritual tastes or rasa. Every living entity, beginning from Brahma, the firstborn living being within the material world, down to the insignificant ant, we see the, the, that little bugs, I use the word ant, but whatever, tiny little thing there, from the biggest to the smallest. So every living entity, beginning from Brahma, the firstborn living being within the material world, down to the insignificant ant, desires to relish some sort of taste derived from sense perceptions. That's true. As far as we know, people are doing that. These sensual pleasures of sense perceptions of sensual pleasures are technically called rasas. Such rasas are of different varieties. In the revealed scriptures, the following 12 varieties of rasas are enumerated. Now, where this list comes from is actually in this in, in consideration of drama. When there are dramas, the idea the act, the act is done to induce in the audience certain emotional reactions and feelings. That's what a drama does. You know, you see a horror movie and you're, you know it's a movie, but you're grabbing onto your seat, you know, because it's got that particular thing there. And then somebody wonderful is uh, in danger and you feel f protectiveness, you know. So oh, the, the, point, the point of, of these, uh, of, of drama, and literature is to enumerate and develop these these feelings, these rasas, and then play with them and mix them up and and take you to a different state. You know, if it's dramas that you you hadn't really ever even experienced in life, heightened these heightened things. You know. So you, you you have seen people sometimes they they crying in the movies and and so on, and 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 when you see actually even you know plays like Shakuntala like Sanskrit plays they are really really well done, and really bring out very mundane f feelings you know it's, it's a story you know Shakuntala. I mean, they meet cute, you know, she's a <laughs> daughter of a sage and she's out in the things and she's dressed in just, you know, sage clothes and this, you know, and, uh, king finds her, you know, and they meet cute, you know, but, but, the, but the, it's, it's really quite, quite on a, on a very high level, much more than you'll see in most literature today.
Which is funny when you go back to something that old, it's like more elevated. And now, now our literature is, is, is pretty gross, actually. Anyway, so here are the, these rasas are, that are numinated. And I said this is originally taken from dramaturgy, and dramatical uh, aesthetics, really, you know, poetry and, and drama. So the rasas, are the 12 rasas are enumerated, Rodra, Anger, Adbhuta, Wonder, Amazement, you know, Astonishment, uh, Shringara, uh, Conjugal Love, Boy Meets Girl, and so on. Hasya, Comedy. Remember the plot, Boy Meets Girl, Boy Loses Girl, Boy Gets Girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Sringara. That's a you know very ancient plot. Hasya, comedy, joking. Yeah. I I I had a godbrother whose I don't know what happened to him, but his name was Prabhupada named him Hasya Grami, one who makes the whole village the village clown Hasya. <laughs> Vera, ch chivalry. You know, when people perform big, amazing feats of protection for others and so on, noble in battle and like that. Daya, mercy. Uh, dasya, servitorship, that feeling of wanting to do something for somebody. And it's natural too, you know. Uh, I, I remember when, uh, like, big baseball players would come to uh, our uh, fairly small town or nearby town, and the kids would gather around, you know, Joe DiMaggio or so, can I carry your bat? Can I carry your mitt? You know, you want to do something for the great person, you know. Can I? <laughs> sure, kid. <laughs> That's Dasha. <laughs> uh, Sakya. Fraternity, uh, brotherly love, as they say, our city of Philadelphia is supposedly the, the city of Sakya Rasa. Uh, fraternity. Uh, uh, Bayanaka, horror or dread. Uh, we're good at that one with horror movies. Bayanaka. Bibatsa. Here he translates it as shock. Um, uh, shanta, uh, uh, neutrality, um, just mellow, uh, you know. uh, and vatsalya, parentalhood. The, uh, the Prabhupada, so having listed those, those 12, and he's mixing primary and secondary ones here, but... Uh, and, and, and this, you know, the six Goswamis took from literature this and then applied it to Krishna's pastimes, and therefore were able to, to lay out the whole panoply of, of, of uh, Krishna's activities. Uh, 
and, and you know, distinguish the, the, the urban Krishna, where his majesty is, um, overwhelms his beauty, and then the rural Krishna in Vrindavan, where his beauty overpowers his majesty. You know, they could do all these arrangements, they could analyze all of Krishna's pastimes in this, in this, uh, uh, in this manner. Anyway, we'll go on. The sum total of all these rasas is called affection or love. Primarily, such signs of love are manifested in adoration, that is to say passive adoration, service, friendship, parental affection, and conjugal love. And when these five are absent, Love is present indirectly in anger, wonder, comedy, chivalry, fear, shock, and so on. I mean, what he calls shock here, bibatsa, is sometimes, I think, disgust. You know, when you <laughs> it's one of them. Uh, so the, the, these, these are the, the, the secondary rasas that supplement the basic ones. He goes on, for example, when a man is in love with a woman, the rasa is called conjugal love. But when such loving affairs are disturbed, there may be wonder, anger, shock, or even horror. Sometimes loving affairs between two persons culminate in ghastly murder scenes when there's jealousy and so on. <laughs> ghastly murder scenes. <laughs> Tabloids love it, right? Such rustles are displayed between man and man, meaning human and human, and between animal and animal. There is no possibility of an exchange or rasa between a man and an animal, or between a man and any other species of living being within the material world. That exchange of affection with your dog is not a rasa. <laughs> or your goldfish or whatever, you know. You may love it, but it's, there's no rasa. When the Prabhupada said that when a dog licks your face, it's seeing how you'll taste when he eats because they eat corpses. <laughs> Just to let you know. <laughs> but it says, it says here there's, that whatever there is between humans and animals are, are not rasas despite Lassie or whatever, you know, Benji, the story of a dog, come home. Come home, Benji, and we miss you. Anyway. <laughs> the rustles are exchanged between members of the same species. But as far as the spirit souls are concerned, they are one qualitatively with the Supreme Lord. So here he's probably saying, although between 
So you may wonder, okay, not between a human and an animal, what about God and a human? Well, now he's saying, why? how is there a Ross in that case? He says, because they are qualitatively one with the Supreme Lord, therefore the Rasas were originally exchanged between the spiritual living being and the spiritual whole, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The spiritual exchange or rasa is fully exhibited in spiritual existence between living beings and the Supreme Lord. Now you see the, the idea here that, that Prabhupada is introducing, which is really different for people who are raised in the, 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 the Semitic religious traditions, you know, those, or, or Islam or, or, or uh, uh, Christianity or Judaism is the difference between the the humans and God is so great uh, on reverence is so huge that there's not you know there's not much intimacy a and God is already so full of happiness in itself he doesn't need the humans either or the, or the creatures that he creates for his own so this is a very different idea. I, I know what the word I was looking for. The Abrahamic faiths. That's what we used in religious studies. The Abrahamic faiths coming from Abraham. That means Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. In the Abrahamic faiths, there's always this strong sense of separation uh, from God and subordination and awe and reverence. Uh, that's generally the feeling that's there. And so the, to those people raised or born into that, those traditions, this is very... Uh, and of course, that awe and reverence is also there in the Vedic thing. I mean, you, you have those kinds of... Uh, uh, yeah. You, yeah, you 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 have you have those kinds of uh, feelings, uh, but it's just it's, it's very limited. And there's also there too, you know, in Vedic they're also included, but there's there's so much more. And uh, and uh, I guess the thought is that anyway, we'll get into that later, but. <laughs> So he goes on here, so they, these, the spiritual exchange or rasa is fully exhibited in spiritual existence between living beings and the Supreme Lord. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is therefore described in the Shruti Mantras, Vedic hymns, as, quote, put this in quotation marks, the fountainhead of all rasas. When one associates with the Supreme Lord and exchanges one's constitutional rasa with the Lord, then the living being is actually happy. These Shruti mantras indicate that every living being has his constitutional position 
that's what you're made of, which is endowed with a particular type of rasa to be exchanged with the personality of Godhead. So when he says constitutional, it's what makes you up. In the liberated condition only, this primary rasa is experienced in full. In the material existence, the rasa is experienced in the perverted form, which is temporary. And thus the rasas of the material world are exhibited in the material form of raudra, anger, and so on. Therefore, one who attains full knowledge of these different rasas, which are the basic principles of activities, can understand, excuse me, can understand the false representation of the original rasas which are reflected in the material world. So there the real thing is there and here is a reflection, dim reflection or sometimes like a reflection in water, it's upside down. The learned scholar seeks to relish the real rasa in the spiritual form. That is the learned scholar. In the beginning, he desires to become one with the Supreme. That is to say, if the learned scholar is looking toward divinity, he may think in the beginning that what, that's what you want, to become one with God. Thus, less intelligent transcendentalists cannot go beyond this conception of becoming one with the spirit whole without knowing of the different rasas. So that's the, the Mayavada position. You lose your individual identity and when you do that, you're not, there's no taste of anything. In this shloka, it is definitely stated that the spiritual, that spiritual rasa, which is relished even in the liberated stage, can be experienced in the literature of the Srimad Bhagavatam due to its being the ripened fruit of all Vedic knowledge. So this idea of liberation doesn't mean it's the end. It's just the beginning where you can actually begin experiencing tastes that ever is ever increasing. By submissively hearing this transcendental literature, one can attain the full pleasure of his heart's desire. He's pointing out that don't think you're going to be missing out on anything. <laughs> full satisfaction that's always increasing. You never get tired of it. Krishna never tells the same joke twice. <laughs> if that's, if the hasya, that's one of the rasa's hasya, humor, you know. He is the best humorist. So any stand-up comic you get sick of, but Krishna will always be funnier.
just if that's your thing. <laughs> so you, you can attain the full pleasure of one's heart, his heart's desire. But one must be very careful to hear the message from the right source. Srimad Bhagavatam is exactly received from the right source because it was brought by Narada Muni from the spiritual world and given to his disciple Sri Vyasadeva. This will be described in the Bhagavatam itself. The latter in turn delivered the message to his son Srila Shukadeva Goswami and Srila Shukadeva Goswami delivered the message to Maharaj Parikshit during the seven days before the king's death. Srila Shukadeva Goswami was a liberated soul from his very birth. He was liberated even within the womb of his mother. We'll understand how that happened. And he did not undergo any sort of spiritual training after his birth. At birth, no one is qualified, neither in the mundane nor in the spiritual sense. But Sri Shukadeva Goswami, due to his being a perf perfectly liberated soul, did not have to undergo an evolutionary process for spiritual realization. That's a great story, but I won't tell it here because we only got five minutes left. <laughs> Yet, despite his being a completely liberated person, situated in the transcendental position above the three material modes, he was attracted to this transcendental rasa of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is adored by liberated souls who sing Vedic hymns. Because he was in his womb and liberated, while in the womb he heard the narration of Bhagavatam decided to come out, because there was more than just liberated. So. And we'll find out about that. It's a great story. The Supreme Lord's pastimes are more attractive to liberated souls than to mundane people. Yet mundane people can't really appreciate it, or they think it's just some kind of, you know, uh, material thing. But when one actually becomes situated transcendentally, then you can also taste it. You know, even in the material world, sometimes people, for example, can't appreciate very much the, the music of, say, Bach. But if they get trained, then they experience a taste that ordinarily is much more exquisite and higher and long-lasting. Like, pop songs change all the time because you get sick of them. But you can listen to the same, like, Johann Sebastian Bach over and over again and always find something new. I mean, that's just a higher level. And so this is on the spiritual, completely spiritual level. Uh, and so the Supreme Lord's pastimes are more attractive to liberated soul than to mundane people. He is of necessity not impersonal because it is only possible to carry on transcendental rasa with a person. 
So he's just not a cloud of gas, you know. Let me go through this quickly. The subject matter is so presented through the lips of Srila Shukadeva Goswami that any sincere listener who hears submissively can at once relish transcendental tastes which are distinct from the perverted tastes of the material world. So Prabhupada brings the audience, he brings the books here, and then he has to create the audience by training us on how to relish it. The ripened fruit is not dropped all of a sudden from the high planet of Krishna Loka. Rather, it has come down carefully through the chain of disciplic succession without change or disturbance. If you are picking a fruit from the top of a tree, you go up on a ladder, you pick it, and you hand it down to the next guy who picks it. To, you know, that, that's the metaphor. Foolish people, people who are not in the transcendental disciplic succession commit great blunders by trying to understand the highest transcendental rasa, known as the rasa dance, you notice with the long A, the, the rasa dance, without following in the footsteps of Shukadeva Goswami, who presents this fruit very carefully by stages of transcendental realization. One should be intelligent enough to know the position of Srimad Bhagavatam by considering personalities like Shukadeva Goswami who deals with the subject so carefully. This process of disciplic succession of the Bhagavata school suggests that in the future also for all time, Srimad Bhagavatam has to be understood from a person who is factually a representative of Srila Shukadeva Goswami. A professional man makes, who makes a business out of reciting the Bhagavatam illegally <laughs> is certainly not a representative of Shukadeva Goswami. The word professional in the West sounds somebody who's really competent, but in Prabhupada's vocabulary, a profession is somebody who just does it for the money. So that's what he means by a professional man. Well, he says it, such a man's business is only to earn his livelihood. Therefore, one should refrain from hearing the lectures of such professional men. They are there in India. And, you know, they're like talented actors and so on. But they don't actually install the rasa. They just give you a mundane rasa based on something taken from the Supreme. Such men usually go to the most confidential part of the literature without undergoing the gradual process of understanding the grave subject. They usually plunge into the subject matter of the rasa dance. Skip right to it, you know. Which is misunderstood by the foolish class of men. Some of them take this to be immoral, while others try to cover it up by their own stupid interpretations. They have no desire 
to follow in the footsteps of Shukadev, Srila Shukadev Goswami. So the Prabhupada knows what go, goes on in India also with this, this kind of thing. One should conclude, therefore, this last paragraph, that the serious student of rasa should receive the message of the Bhagavatam in the chain of disciplic succession from Srila Shukadeva Goswami, who describes the Bhagavatam from its very beginning and not whimsically to satisfy the mundaner who has very little knowledge in transcendental science. Remember that in the very beginning, Prabhupada has given the disciplic succession. He's given his bona fides. And so the, the chain of disciplic succession is prefaced as Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam is so carefully presented that a sincere and serious person can at once enjoy the ripened fruit of Vedic knowledge simply by drinking the nectarian juice through the mouth of Shukadev Goswami or his bona fide representative. So that's it presented in the English language for the first time. <laughs> All right, we'll stop to stop there. <laughs> And we'll continue this discussion. I'll read also Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's purport as translated by Banuswami. And we have a few, little bit of discussion. Vijay Krishnapuru, he asks, related to 113, where I find the synonym Nigama, the Vedic literatures, Lord Chaitanya spent his last 12 years at Puri, surrounded by his most intimate associates who used to recite Vedic passages in order to alleviate Lord Chaitanya's feelings of, of separation from Lord Krishna. My question is, is it that the utility of the Vedic literatures is to take us closer to Krishna? How close? Well, at its highest level, very, very, very close. And it depends upon your own particular relationship with Krishna. The people are in different relationships so some may cherish Krishna as a child, some, some uh, 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 as a master, some uh, as a, like a brother or like that. So these, these are friendship relationships and uh, they're very, very close. And remember, whatever feelings are being exchanged, uh, it gets better all the time. It's ever-increasing. Krishna jokes are always new. You've never heard them before. Everything he does is, he's, you know, he's, he's supreme. So whatever, whatever you, you want, don't think that you'll be missing out anywhere. Let me full satisfaction. Madhavendra Puri Prabhu asks, he says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glory to Srila Prabhupada. In the Vedanta Sutra, it is explained that Krishna established this material world for Leela. Going off the angle of drama of drama theory, could we suggest that through the process of Nishkama Karma Yoga of the Bhagavad Gita, that a spiritual practice in this life could be to be a method actor, so to speak, in the drama Krishna has written out for us? 
living our, quote, material life for Krishna and his Leela. Your servant, Madhavendra Puridas. P.S. I mean this in an aspirational way. I'm not trying to use this as a license to be a sahaja. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, sure, we, we're, we're here to, to, uh, to develop and establish that relationship. And uh, that's what, what spiritual progress means. Uh, and uh, we're also assured that even if we don't complete it or go all the way, uh, because we've used our human form of life for that purpose, next uh, birth we pick up where we left off and keep on going. So there's, you, there's no loss, even if for some reason we are interrupted in our, in our, in our efforts. Our transcendental comedian, Yadanath Prabhu, <laughs> he, he makes a question here. He says, Hare Krishna, pranams to you and glories to Srila Prabhupada. To your knowledge, is there maybe some obscure Shastra somewhere that uncovers some of, the, some of Krishna's stand-up material? <laughs> if so, would it be an offense to steal it? Uh, I will leave that to you to uh, pray to Krishna to... to <laughs> I mean, he's called, uh, he is the Hashagrami, the village clown. So I, I don't know exactly where all that's recorded, but uh, uh, there's always more. <laughs> we have a question from Anonymous that asks, wouldn't rasa be better translated as taste rather than mellow? Uh yeah, I mean, this is Prabhupada using the word mellow, and it was used that way uh, in the late 19th century, <laughs> English, you know. And so, so he, used, he used that word because it was Bhakti Siddhanta's word. But, uh, and if you say a taste, people don't know what that means either, so you may want to have. But what we can do is just say rasa. Just use the word. It should become familiar enough that we can just incorporate it into our vocabulary. Vijay Krishna Prabhu asks, this is also related to 113 where I find the synonym Bhagavatam, the book dealing in the science of the eternal relation with the Lord. My question is, on the path back home, back to Godhead, which is the first item to be realized, eternity, knowledge, or bliss? They all three arise simultaneously. <laughs> They're all important. I mean, if you're a devotee, yeah. But I think probably uh, uh, one, one would... Uh, yeah, they, co they come together. Uh, but uh, things happen and you don't really quite know why. You know, this one day, if you've been practicing devotional service for a while, you begin to realize that you're absolutely convinced. You know, I had, this was a crisis for me when I, when I realized I was absolutely convinced about Krishna consciousness. And I thought, what right do I have to be so convinced? <laughs> you know, I, you know, I mean, if you, I was a trained academician, and you're always supposed to doubt everything, and you know, 
put everything uh, in, 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 in problematize everything that you think and think. And here I was just absolutely convinced that Krishna. And I said, do I? What right do I have to be convinced like that? You know. But I was, and then uh, I forgot who it was. I asked about it, and they. Yeah, yeah, a disciple of mine who had a PhD in in in, in philosophy. Uh, I asked her. I told told her I have this conviction. You know, how to, uh, and, and she just said, "It's a gift." <laughs> so I just accepted it that way. Well, it really was like, what right do I have to be so? So in this way, things happen to a devotee. That gives him like gives the devotee like conviction and taste and feelings and all these things happen, and, and you, sometimes you can't see what the what the where the the source is or how how it comes about exactly, but it does. Maharidi Prabhu, he asks, he says, "Dear Ravinder Prabhu, please accept our humble obeisances. Thank you very much for making Srimad Bhagavatam available to us." It is very much important for us that we can listen to your recitation of Srimad Bhagavatam weekly and read daily. Question. I had the understanding that Srila Rupa Goswami introduced the concept of transcendental rasas and the nectar of devotion, but they are present in Srimad Bhagavatam, but are not organized in such a systematic fashion. Is that correct? I believe so. Remember... Uh, Rupa Goswami, they were all instructed by Lord Chaitanya. And, and they took his, his, his discussions of these things and, uh, you know, he, he didn't want to spend the time going through all the literature and systematizing everything like that. He had them do it. And, you know, they, they were expert in many, many different languages and and, and so them, and under the guidance of, after, even after Lord Chaitanya left, the Swarabhadamadar, they went and they spent the rest of their lives working on systematizing the teachings of Lord Chaitanya and, and making it uh, uh, very, very rigorously uh, worked through and understood and analyzed and presented uh, very nicely. Yeah, that, that's that's what they did. It's kind of amazing, actually, quite a quite a thing to happen. Huh? Vijay Krishna Prabhu also asks, this is again uh, about verse 3, where I find this synonym, Bhavuka, expert mm. and thoughtful. The mode of ignorance forces one to become an animal. In the next life, the mode of passion... In the next life, the mode of passion doesn't free one from the cycle of birth and death, and only the mode of goodness can give you access to the answers connected to the existential questions of human beings. My question is, how thoughtful must the human being become in order to become a self-realized soul, full obedience to his guru? Yeah, that helps. <laughs> Uh, that helps. Uh, you, you, we, we, we should think of our regulative principles of Krishna consciousness as principles of knowledge. Uh, you may notice 
that the whole world of expertise in, the, in, um, in Western culture is all based on technical stuff. They're, they're basically blacksmiths, but they do, you know, with big, big gigantic machinery and, and computers and all this stuff. But basically, they're blacksmiths. And basically, they had to do something that will get funded by people who want what they're making. And so that doesn't need to knowledge. Or if it does, it's completely accidental. And the result is horrifying. I mean, here somebody like, like Einstein was really interested in trying to understand how the world worked. But what was the result? Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Because, you know, other people wanted that for certain other things. He realized that this would happen and this, this could happen. And uh, so, so that, uh, that's uh, uh, not our point with knowledge is to learn how to so-called uh, understand the world in order to, to try to be the enjoyers and control it. But so that uh, we learn how to see the world uh, from the point of view of Krishna and from the understanding what our real mission is, is understand the spiritual reality, which you can't access it unless you follow this process. As Prabhupada said, you know, a meat eater cannot understand God, for example. It's, a, it's, it's, it's about knowledge. And just because you have... And knowledge depends upon sattva, goodness. And then there's Vishuddha sattva, where you really get transcendental knowledge. So this, this is, you know, pe people don't, we think of them as just moral principles, you know, and, and therefore involving just reward and punishment. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. This is, no, this is actually a process by which you can understand the whole, the whole of everything, and enter into a relationship with Krishna. That's uh, ever fulfilling. Madhavendrapuri Prabhu asks: Is I understand Krishna has two dogs? Is it only Earth dogs that don't participate in rasa? Yep. The animals in the spiritual world are fully cognizant. And just to finish up here, uh, Gaur Shakti Prabhu says, Hare Krishna, dear Gurudev, please accept my humble obeisances. Thank you so much for a wonderful class. Looking forward to hearing Krishna book. Um, Bhaktin Paula says, Hare Krishna, and um, Kendra Prabhu says Jai Jai Namaha Namaha. Hare Krishna. And everybody. And Madhavendra Puri Prabhu gives you a thumbs up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one more question here. What are the names of Krishna's two dogs? I don't know their names actually. Madhavendra Puri, do you know? What are the names of Krishna's two dogs? Nope. Well, we'll find out for next time. <laughs> a research project. A research project to find out names of Krishna's two dogs. 
He had an interesting relationship with monkeys too, didn't he? <laughs> Metaphor, he says, Google, Google probably knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying, <laughs> the saying goes, God, God knows. <laughs> no, you say Google knows. Google knows. <laughs> Google only knows. <laughs> Okay, I think that's it for today. And uh, okay, well, so uh, we'll, we'll oh, and and Akanta Bhakti just says thank you, Gurudev. Brahm and Madhavendra Prabhu says Brahmar Brahmarka and Viagra. There you go. Brahmarka and Viagra. Doctor Google does it again. Oh, it does it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. says thank you with a lots of exclamation point. And Lavanga Mandre says, excited for Krishna book. And, and yes, so Tuesday night for Krishna book, and we'll be putting out the announcement today about how to tune in. And we have a message. Uh, thank you, Maharaj. Hare Krishna from Mexico as well. Okay. Okay. Thank you all very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, and Krishna book too. <laughs>